Can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. Can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. Can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. I need to do it again. Yeah, yeah. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaBecca Live on ESPN 106.3. Yep, that's right. Maybe we get Tyler Hero back for game five. Maybe that's the answer for the Miami Heat. Heck, I, I don't know. We're just throwing darts at the wall right now um, as Heat fans wondering if the Heat can claw their way back in or extend the series one more game. Game five tonight at Ball Arena, Heat Nuggets. Of course, Florida Panthers play tomorrow night in the Stanley Cup final game five. All of that is fine and dandy, but you know what? As this a big teddy takeover here on Ken Levick Alive, Again, myself, Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29, alongside Stone Lebanowitz as Ken is on vacation. How about we just take some time to take our minds away from these finals? It's so stressful talking about these high-stake NBA Finals games, Stanley Cup final games. That stuff is so high stakes. How about we talk some NFL offseason, and nobody better to do it with than Cameron Wolf, national NFL reporter for NFL Network, my guy who just touched down out there in Charlotte, North Carolina to cover um, the Carolina Panthers, who I have no association with. But, uh, but what, what, what do you got for the Panthers tomorrow, Cam? No association at all, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. That's in the past. Don't talk about my nah. ex, Cam. <laughs> well, your, your ex is popping this, uh, this offseason. You know, they got a, she, got a, she got a new quarterback, and uh, I'm going to see Bryce Young, man. Um, new franchise quarterback there in Carolina, so I'm going to spend – a little bit of mini camp here, seeing how he looks, seeing how this new look Panthers team is with Frank Reich, and uh, you know, getting an early view before all these teams go on summer vacation of these uh, rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, yep, going on summer vacation with the rookies quarterbacks. Maybe they'll see the Miami Heat after tonight. Um, I know you don't cover the NBA, but you're a big Sixers fan, um, and and you obviously uh, I've seen your tweets talking about how Jokic is just a better guy. What what is your read on these finals, man? Should the Heat have any kind of optimism? Right now, with Tyler Hero coming back for Game Five, is that something to hold on to hope with, or should I just should I just get ready to to cry my cry my hopes away like you did in Game Seven against the Celtics? <laughs> you know what? I actually had a high high hopes for the Heat going into this series. Thank you. I thought they were going to get it done, um, but I do think that tomorrow they'll be in the same couch that my Sixers are on. <laughs> so we'll, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll both uh, we'll both be nice and cozy there, um, but. The reality is I think the Nuggets just got a little bit too much. Uh, I think the Heat might have just ran out of magic magic uh, steam, man. I hope I'm wrong. Um, I do love Jimmy. As much as you talk trash about the Sixers, I do love Jimmy. Yeah. And I want to see him get that ring. Um, but you just watch this Heat team. They're not shooting the way uh, they were in previous series. You know, Max Struess has not been playing as well. Uh, Gabe Vince has not been playing as well. And I'm not sure Tyler Hero, after being out for two months, can just come off. Uh, that injury and automatically make a big impact. So back at home in Denver, I just don't see how Jokic and these boys, uh, you know, let them let them loose. It, it, it'll be an uphill climb no matter who the Heat throw out there on the floor. But what, what I will say is it's been a, an avalanche of success around South Florida teams, starting with FAU and Miami men's basketball making the Final Four. Now you have the Florida Panthers and the Miami Heat in the finals in their respective sports. And now people are starting to look forward like, hey, is this momentum going to build up? Can it go on to other sports? You got the Miami Marlins winning games at a high rate. And then you got those Miami Dolphins. Cam, you've you've covered that team extensively. You still do. Right now they're in the hunt for Dalvin Cook. Just how much of a feel. And, you know, Mike McDaniel's been at these games at Kaseya Center courtside. The players have been bought in on the heat stuff as well. 
how much of a chance did the Dolphins have to kind of ride this wave of momentum that South Florida sports teams have been uh, putting on for the past three, four months? Yeah, Theo, first of all, I don't know if there's been a better time, like, and and I'm I'm not a native here, maybe I'll get corrected, but I don't know if there's been a better time to be a South Florida sports fan in in maybe a couple decades, like, seeing how these teams have all been in fruition. You know, you mentioned it, the Dolphins are probably the last ones, they got to get on the boat, but even them, they're coming off a playoff season and and seeing to be headed in the right direction. Um, As far as Dalvin Cook, the Dolphins are interested, Cook's interested, uh, but the problem is getting the right number. Um, Dalvin Cook wants a wants a salary close to what he was just getting paid in Minnesota, which is ten eleven million dollars, and the Dolphins aren't going to go that far. And so I think we're going to have a little bit of a, a a staring match to see who who budges. And if Dalvin Cook doesn't get the numbers that he wants to out of the market, then I'll certainly can see him taking maybe a a hometown discount to come to play in Miami. Uh, but otherwise, I, I know you know if there's some other team that's going to offer him what he wants. You know, Miami, it just might be outside of Miami's market as far as price. We got Cameron Wolf, NFL national NFL reporter. Let me make sure I add that in there for NFL Network, um, who's currently in Charlotte covering the uh, the Cats, the other Panthers, not our Florida Panthers, but the Carolina Panthers, but also has extensive knowledge on these Miami Dolphins. And Stone LeBanowitz, you're a Dolphins fan. You are you hang on to every single game in, in hopes, just like the rest of the folks at Hard Rock. Stone, I, I know you're a little antsy ahead of this season, huh? Yeah, Cam. One of my favorite questions to ask national media members nowadays is, how much easier does social media make your guys' job? Just in the case of Dalvin Cook. Like, all, all you have to do is open up Twitter, go to his likes, mm. and he is just in broad, <laughs> in broad daylight liking tweets that are yeah. new look. He's in a Dolphins jersey, new look offense. He'll be tandemed with... Jalen Waddle and, and and all these guys. Obviously, the list goes on and on. Like, how much easier it is to, is it to report on these guys, especially this Dalvin Cook case? Yeah, they they cut out the middleman, right? They 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 tell <laughs> right. you how they feel up front. You got hour or minutes after Dalvin Cook's release, he's take take posting pictures of him in Hard Rock Stadium. So it's not hard to see what he wants to happen. Uh, but I will tell you that it's not as done of a deal as maybe people would assume. He still he, he knows where he wants to be if everything's even. Uh, but, you know, the money's got to work out. But, yeah, you're right. Social media does make this job a lot more fun. You know, seeing what guys tweet and like and all the recruiting that goes on. Jalen Ramsey's been in, in the DMs trying to get him to come <laughs> through. Uh, it, it's, it's a whole different era. Um, but I, I love it, man. I, I think it helps fans stay engaged. You know, the NFL is the only real sport where it's tw- 12 months out of the year. You know, it's June. It's probably the lightest season for the NFL. But we're still talking about it. I'm still traveling for work with it in Charlotte because this, this sport never stops. And so I, I love when Dalvin Cook's tweeting. I love when all the guys are, are bringing more juice because it makes it a little bit easier for me to create some content here in June. Yeah, Dalvin Cook tweets great. Maybe Mariah Mills tweets not so great for athletes uh, <laughs> in 2023. Cam, you you <laughs> we'll let that one sit. We'll that let that one cool. sit. <laughs> I like what, I, I like what you just said. Yo. <laughs> Uh, Cam, you are on the Anthony Richardson bandwagon just like I am. You've put out uh, a few different compelling pieces about um, AR and about what kind of damage he can do at the NFL level. You're also, again, about to be at Panthers minicamp to check out Bryce Young. I've been banging the drum. No pun intended with the Panthers there. I've been banging the drum about... (laughs) about Anthony Richardson and how I think he's the guy that you know teams should have drafted, and I'd like that the Colts got him, and I think he'll do great. Where do you stand right now when it comes to the rookie quarterbacks, not just Anthony Richardson, 
Also, Bryce Young, who you're about to take a look at, C.J. Stroud. Like, who's going to come out of this class looking like the uh, the prize? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pumped for this class. I think it's a much-needed uh, breath of fresh life in the quarterbacks, particularly in the AFC South. You talk about, you know, Anthony Richardson in that division. But you also have C.J. Stroud and potentially Will Levis. That's a division that, like, let's keep it honest. Well, a lot of times we joke about the AFC South. They have the Thursday night games, and, and you know, we don't want to watch, but we watch anyway. Um, it's the division that everybody kind of turns their nose up on. Now they have three rookie quarterbacks and, and Stroud, Le- uh, Richardson, and Levis, and I think that's going to bring a lot of juice to a division that I think is starting to, go, starting to get popping. You know, Trevor Lawrence down there, and now you add Anthony Richardson, um, and, then, and then you mentioned Bryce Young in the NFC South, but I guess my view of this quarterback class, you know, first before seeing them play in any games, so I think Bryce Young is the best quarterback as of right now. Mm. Um, what he did in Alabama, he's pro-ready. Um, he's got a lot of Drew Brees in his game as far as his ability to process. And the Panthers are, are not your n- normal number one overall pick roster. They have some talent. That defense is good. They brought in some weapons, Miles Sanders, Adam Thielen, Hayden Hurst. DJ Chark, and so I think that's a team that can compete for the NFC uh, South title from year one. But mm. what excites me for Anthony Richardson is that I think that in three years we could be looking at Anthony Richardson as one of the best quarterbacks in football. Ooh. And I think he has that sort of talent. I think he's a special, special athlete, and he's really just learning how to um, learn the nuances of playing quarterback in his game. He's got a pure mechanics, but you know you see him make some footwork mistakes. You see him in college; his accuracy numbers aren't great. But if you get him to mold it in the right scheme, like they have in Indy with Shane Steichen, do you see a certain turnaround like you had with Jalen Hurts in Philly? I'm not saying he'll be Jalen Hurts, but I think he has that sort of potential. And uh, if he does, then Indy will be remembering the day they took Anthony Richardson uh, for, for decades down the line. Mm, kind of like how my Chiefs remember the day they took Patrick Mahomes, my, my Kansas City Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, your your long your long 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 time uh your long time Kansas City Chiefs fan, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, man. Yes, Born in Kansas. Yes, Cam. We, I appreciate that. All right, because typically it's me who has to get on his ass about that. But but it's coming from someone else right. out of market. I, I gotta commend you for that. But seriously though, Cam, I, you're you're. I don't appreciate the sell job you're doing me on Anthony Richardson. <laughs> I mean, I I fight Theo night and day on this cat. But my question is, and you're going to cover Bryce Young and you're going to put out pieces, whether it's content, visuals, or just a breakdown or maybe a sit-down, but I'm watching Anthony Richardson in some of these rookie minicamp clips, and the kid is just tearing the leather off the football right now. You talked about his footwork issues. It looks like that's almost all solved up, and I know I'm just watching him do cone drills and bag drills, but he looks crispy. How much stock should us as fans and and us as, as, as small market media members put into some of the Twitter videos and some of your pieces that you're putting out during now OTAs? Yeah, I want to caution you. It is June, so we haven't had any full bullets yet, no games yet. So I don't want to anoint this dude as as Lamar Jackson or, or Josh Allen from year one yet. I'm just telling you, I don't think that he has the uh, sort of um, uh, arc or a long je- long term development that a lot of people think that it's going to take him so long, three four years mm. to be this guy. I think he's going to be able to be a guy sooner. Uh, than a lot of people think. And when you watch Anthony Richardson's game, um, he, he has a lot of the, the quarterback instincts that you want, that you can't teach. He has the ability to stand in the pocket. He doesn't run when, when chaos happens at the first time. He has the ability to take the, take the ball 80 yards on a rushing touchdown, but he prefers to be a quarterback first, which I think you don't often see with guys of his athleticism. And I do think when you have a scheme that is um, sort of surrounding him, um, differently than they did at Florida, 
I think you're going to see a different version of Anthony Richardson. And so I don't know what he looks like year one. It may be it may be a little rocky year one, but by year two and year three, I think we're going to be talking about Anthony Richardson in a completely different light. And um, I think it's going to be a fun few years to watch the Anthony Richardson versus Bryce Young versus C.A. Stroud and see how all three of these guys stack up because, you know, it wouldn't shock me if all three of these guys are – are Pro Bowl candidates when we're talking four or five years down the line. They, no Will Levis? No Will Levis mentioned there? Let, Left him hanging. <laughs> um, I, I'll just say I'm, I'm going to wait to see it with Will Levis. I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 just, I'll just say that. <laughs> we got, that makes sense. We all are. Just like he was waiting to see when he would get picked. Uh, NFL reporter Cam Wolf, uh, NFL Network. Before you go, Cam, because I know you got to get to uh, Charlotte and and, um, and and get to those Panthers who, who I'm sure take And what's next after the Panthers, by the way? You're going to the Falcons? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to check out the Falcons. So I'll be uh, up here in Carolina the next couple days, and then I'll fly down to Atlanta and check out Atlanta, see B. John Robinson out there Mm. and the offense they now have with Drake London and Kyle Pitts and see what they can do in NFC South. And then then I'm back home. And then uh, then it starts a little bit of a month or so uh, summer vacation for me um, until we gear up for training camp. So real last week for a lot of the NFL, and then we kind of go in hibernation mode. I love it. I love it. Well, last question, just back to these Miami Dolphins. Uh, it seems like with Mike McDaniel, with Tyreek Hill, now that Jalen Ramsey has came in the door as well, they're feeling like, just like the rest of South Florida, a destination-type team. You see Dalvin Cook trying to push his way to Miami. Just how much has the culture around these Dolphins changed with the injection of Mike McDaniel, with the success of that offense and how everybody has kind of been rallying around what they can be when Tua is healthy, how much has the culture and the perception of these Dolphins changed, not just with, obviously, fans and the media, but other players in the league who seem to be wanting to come to Miami Gardens? Yeah, I think the national perspective of them has changed quite a bit because, you know, Miami's always been a destination because of the city, but it's been a while since people talked about the team and uh, I want to go play with them because of the team, not just because I want to chill on South Beach. Right. And I think that that element is changing. A lot of people want to play for Mike McDaniel. He's got this quirky vibe about him that everybody loves. Uh, he's always cracking jokes. I saw a pod this week where he was uh, essentially admitting to the vaping yes. on the sideline. <laughs> uh, like, what other NFL coaches do you have doing this sort of thing? And so I think he brings a, a new demand. The offense he's building with the speed, with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell um, and Raheem Mostert and now the rookie running back, Devon A. Chain, who's been impressive uh, so far, they're, they are probably going to be the fastest offense that I can remember in a very long time. And that's fun. That's exciting to watch. And so although they still haven't got to the hurdle of being the true contender yet, I think they're one of the most exciting teams in the NFL, and that, it's been a long time, a very long time since Dolphins uh, have been that team. And so the next step for them is to be able to, to go mano a mano with a Josh Allen and, and potentially win that ASC East, potentially win a playoff game, and then we can truly say, hey, they can be in that, that, that next tier of ASC contenders. Uh, but right now I definitely think plenty of excitement, a new defense with Vic Bangio and mm. Jalen Ramsey in there, and uh, I think the ASC East, it's probably going to be the most fun division of all of sports. Now you welcome Aaron Rodgers in and sort of a three-headed battle uh, between those three teams in my mind for the division. You hear that, fans? I know the Heat and Panthers might be, might be having you down in the dumps, but optimism around the Miami Dolphins. You heard it straight from Cameron Wolf, NFL Network. Thanks, Cam, for your time. Behave yourself in Charlotte and Atlanta, man. <laughs> uh, appreciate you. I, I- 
I'll, I'll try my best. Charlotte's probably a little easier than Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, dog. Thanks for the time, bro. All right, now. Have a great one. You too. That's Cameron Wolf, NFL Network. You can follow him at Cameron Wolf on Twitter for all of his bad takes, especially when it comes to the Miami Heat, but then also for the NFL news. He's locked in with the Dolphins, also locked in with many of the NFC South and AFC East teams. That Stone, does that kind of, as a longtime Dolphins fan and as a South Florida native, how much does that kind of get your juices going, just hearing about how the perception around these Dolphins is – it's really up there. It's a destination not just because it's Miami, but because of what they're doing on the field and because of that guy, that man, Mike McDaniel, who, like he said, is quirky, but he's inspiring to guys. Yeah, I'm glad that's both of our biggest takeaways from what Cam had said when he joined is that the it's become a destination team, not only a destination city. You got guys like Jalen Ramsey. I mean, just eh, rewind the clock a year ago. And if I were to tell you, hey, Jalen Ramsey wants and is going to come play for the Miami wow. Dolphins, like we're, we're laughing yeah, in a yeah. sense. But now it seems normal, almost so normal that we haven't given it enough airtime. I know it's been shadowed by the Florida Panthers and by the Miami Heat and some of our March Madness runs here in our market. Which have been lovely. It's been beautiful to of, have it. Of course, no complaints, but Jalen Ramsey is wearing a Dolphins jersey. Crazy. One of the greatest but corners of all time. He's sitting on the other side of the field of Xavier Howard. Like, like there are great things happening. You got a guy like Dalvin Cook posting legitimate Instagram stories of him in Hard Rock, liking every Miami Dolphins fan's tweets that is mentioning him. Like, there are so many good things happening, but like I said, I'm glad that's our takeaway because it's not only a destination city, it's becoming a destination team, and there is one more hurdle that's winning a playoff game. Yeah. That is being... Keeping Tua Tagovailoa healthy. Keeping Tua Tagovailoa healthy, but being actually... A scary team when it comes to that Bills matchup and handling this AFC East. Now yeah. Aaron Rodgers has joined the group chat. Like, It's going to be interesting, but as long as players want to come here and as long as we know they're outwardly showing respect towards Mike McDaniel and he's kind of the new wave of where we're heading and we're kind of the leaders in that nowadays, you're seeing some of these other quirky coaches and, and offensive schemes coming along. Cam hit the nail on the head with a lot of things, but I think the change in culture yeah. down there in Miami Gardens was the biggest takeaway. It is going to be a beautiful sight to see the Dolphins being taken seriously across the league and also being in contention. The AFC is the toughest conference. The AFC East is going to prove to be maybe the toughest division. I mean, because the Patriots, as bad as they're going to be, they're not going to roll over. They're not going to be an easy out. Bill Belichick is still going to coach that defense up to be something that you have to beat. They're not going to beat themselves. The Jets now have Aaron Rodgers. They've got new life. They've got a young core around them, a really good defense. And then you have the Buffalo Bills with the, the Megatron at quarterback in Josh Allen and then the fastest team on turf with the Miami Dolphins. I guess not turf, but yeah, you get it. Like, this is going to be a tough division. Yeah, and I think what you have to realize for Dolphins fans is you're going to be chasing down the New York Jets yeah. in this division. Oh, what was that a yeah? Yeah, you're going to have to chase them down. <laughs> well, J-E-T-S-J-T. I was making a joke, and you said yes, yeah, so I really, really appreciate well, that. Well, when you say chase them down, do you mean they're going to be behind them in the standings? Or yeah. You're gonna have, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. I already got you, yeah, and I can clip that audio. Don't clip so, that. So that's, you're, you're already, you're already done. I appreciate defamation. that. I mean, the Jets are obviously the ones who are going to get it done here. They're the favorites going into it. I'm super excited for that. But no. no. In, in all, you already said, yeah, you can't take it back. No. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, what we've done on today's show I think was awesome. I mean, we brought Heat fans to the lowest of lows. Yeah. I mean, we even played you vacation music. Yeah. But on the other side of the coin, we got you pumped up about the fins. I mean, nothing about that interview with Cam Wolf 
was pessimistic. None of it was had a negative connotation or anything. Like we talked about all the good things that the Dolphins are doing and what to be excited about. So hopefully we took the audience's mind off of this game tonight, off of the Florida Panthers also being down 3-1 and gave you some hope as far as these fans in the AFC. That's right. And speaking of hope, again, Tyler Hero, as tweeted by Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, Boy NBA wonder. insider, is expected to play in Game 5 of the NBA Finals tonight. I don't know what that means for the Heat's chances to win. I would have to assume it at least gives them another option and it gets them closer to victory. It's about how Eric Spolster wills him, and it's about how he um, performs under pressure. He hasn't played in two months, but he'll be dropped into Game 5 of the NBA Finals if this report holds true, if his hand makes it through shoot-around and makes it up to tip-off and he doesn't feel any kind of uh, setbacks. We can have Tyler Hero back in the Heat lineup for Game 5 of the NBA Finals. We'll see how that works out for the Miami Heat. When we come back on Ken LeVick Alive, Stone and I, well, <laughs> we're going to have to get to the bottom of something huge for South Florida sports fans, and it's going to be between those Heat and Panthers. You're going to want to hear it here next on Ken LeVick Alive. He's Stone LeBanowitz. I'm Theo Dorsey. We're live on ESPN 106.3. Don't you know, pump it up. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. The Miami Heat play basketball tonight. The Miami Heat play in the NBA Finals tonight. Will it look good? Will it be pretty? I can't promise you anything, but I do know they tip things off at 830 at Ball Arena. Heat Nuggets, Denver up 3-1. The Heat trying to make history to be just the second team ever in the NBA Finals to come back from down 3-1. And in order to do so, they just got to do it one game at a time. It starts tonight. We did get reports. Tyler Hero is expected to suit up tonight. Don't know what that means for the Heat, but it does mean at least another weapon in the arsenal for Eric Spolstra. We have so much going on throughout South Florida sports. We've got so much going on, especially with the Heat and Panthers in the finals. We got Inter Miami getting Lionel Messi. We've got so it's it's rich right now. Dalvin Cook trying to force his way to the Miami Dolphins. We just heard from Cameron Wolf, NFL Network reporter, about how the Dolphins culture and the Dolphins um, momentum is creating themselves as a destination, especially with Jalen Ramsey already picking them this offseason. We have so much going on, but Stone, that's what makes it perfect. A perfect time to do a listening lunch, to bring back an oldie but a goodie here at the Ken LeVica Live. Do you remember the good old days of listening lunch? We'd have the sloppy Joe in the background and all of that. I miss listening lunch. Yeah. I, I, I think Ken LeVica Live is such a good reactionary show. I think we're three judgmental guys, Jeanette being the fourth, just such a judgmental yes. woman. Like, we love reacting to things. Like, that's what we do in this market, right? There's not somebody in our backyard, so we like to go after ESPN. Oftentimes we do that, right? Yeah. I mean, we did it today when they were making fun of Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. Like, listening lunch brings the best out of us. I, I think we're able to rag on guys, make fun of national media members. It's one of my favorite segments, and I'm glad it's back. Well, let's go ahead and tee it up. And no better person to start any kind of uh, criticism of or, or just dissection of their takes because they're generally wrong. They're generally uh, just either outdated overstated, incorrect, and it goes to none other than Skip Bayless over at Undisputed. Here he is calling the Miami Heat, who are in the NBA Finals for the second time in four years, the F-word. 
I could not recognize the Miami Heat, who had blown through the Bucs, who had blown through the Knicks, who had blown out and blown through the Boston Celtics, yeah. winning a Game 7 at Boston. I couldn't recognize the same Heat, who actually stormed back to win Game 2 at Denver. Yep. Who were these imposters? Who were these frauds? Because they got wow. turned back into eight-seed pumpkins. We kept using the Cinderella analogy, <laughs> and it's the coaches taking her to the ball. They turned into pumpkins. Well, the coaches taking the Miami Heat back to, don't they call it now, ball arena? Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the, the coaches turned back into pumpkins. Yeah. So they're having to fly pumpkins across country now back yeah. to Denver. Now, where do you get off? Calling the Miami Heat frauds because they are currently down 3-1 in a series to a better team. At what point does hyperbole begin to meet stupidity when you're Skip Bayless and you're discussing this Miami Heat team that beat the Milwaukee Bucks in five, beat the New York Knicks in six, and went up on the Boston Celtics 3-0, though they did drop the next three. They had people like Skip Bayless calling them frauds saying that they had pumpkined out, saying that the season was over with and the Celtics were going to complete the most immaculate comeback of all time, and the Heat found a way to win that one. They also are the only team this postseason to beat the Nuggets in Denver, yet they're frauds. Thanks, Skip Bayless. I, Stone, I just don't – again, people act like it's, it's better to lose in the first round than it is to make it to the NBA Finals and come up just short. Just one, Only one team can win – every single year, and the Heat are one of two that still have a chance. Yet, if you ask it, Bayless, they're they're fraud. And I think what's unfair in this spot is, you know, throughout this postseason run, we've talked about the shooting numbers and how high of a clip they were hitting beyond the arc of this Miami Heat team. Like, it wasn't sustainable. I think when they got past Milwaukee and the Knicks series came along, I was one who was preaching these numbers aren't sustainable. Like, at some point, they have to regress to the mean. And like I said, what I think is unfair is it's taken up until the NBA Finals to regress to the mean. Yeah. Like the numbers were backed up, whether it was Milwaukee, then the Knicks, and Boston. Like some of these guys that we're talking about are now calling frauds, or I guess I shouldn't say we, but Skip Bayless, the Max Struces, the Gabe Vincent, the Caleb Martins. Like yeah. Their numbers, they were shooting at the same consistent clip all the way up until this point. Now they're starting to fall off, turning into the pumpkins. I, I suppose it's hard to argue that because – does seem like they've turned into who we thought they were throughout the 82 game regular season. But is it that, or are the Nuggets just better? Because I think there could be it could be both. I, I, I think it's definitely a mixture of both, and I think you know some of these next gen statistics that they're able to pump out there show us that Max Struess has missed those threes uncontested, open three. Like they're giving us those stats, so I guess that would be the one quick rebuttal. But yeah, the Nuggets are have them outgunned and outmatched in size, and I think when you talk about we question their energy and effort levels, which oftentimes we have at least a few games during this series with the Nuggets. When you're playing a team who's so fundamentally sound, so much bigger than you, so much longer than you, it typically takes that energy and effort out of you. It zaps it. And and I think that's a little bit of what we're seeing, but regardless, they're still missing open shots, shots that they made to get here, Theo. That's kind of where I think the fraud word comes in. Sometimes it's tired legs, too. Let's not forget, again, the Heat, haven't had that break that the Nuggets did. They had about nine, ten days off after they swept the Lakers. It's the Heat's own fault because they didn't do away with the Celtics. They did let the Celtics claw their way all the way back into a Game 7. But we're seeing some of the remnants now with shooters like Max Struess not hitting shots that we know he can wake up, he can hit in the middle of the night. 3 a.m., you, you wake him up out of his sleep, he can hit some of those jumpers 
It just hasn't been happening on this stage. You brought up effort. Michael Malone, head coach of the Denver Nuggets, has has talked and preached effort all throughout this series, especially following game two, and he's gotten nothing but that from his guys, not just the role players, but the superstars. And that Nuggets team is also the only team, or not the only team, one of 13 teams to ever come back from a 3-1 deficit. They did it in the bubble against the Utah Jazz in 2020 when they were down 3-1. Michael Malone was on that side of it, and here he is talking about how his Nuggets tonight need to make sure that they play with the same amount of desperation that we expect Eric Spolstra's Miami Heat to play with. My, old, my biggest concern going into any closeout game is human nature and fighting against that. You know, you're up 3-1, and, you know, there's, there's, it's a, most teams, when you're up 3-1, they come up for air, they relax, and they, they just kind of take it for granted that, oh, we're going to win this. And the neat thing for us is that going back to the bubble, you know, we've been down 3-1 before, and we've come back and won, and we know anything is possible. And, uh, and that's why, like, my message to our team before we came down to the media and the open portion of practices was our approach has to be that we're down 3-1. You know, they're desperate. We have to be more desperate. They're hungry. We have to be hungrier. And uh, there is no celebrating after game four. We have another game that we have to win. And the close that game is always the hardest game ever. So I'm looking forward to seeing our approach. You know, we had it in game six against Phoenix. We had it in game five against Minnesota. We had it in game four against the Lakers. And my hope is that tomorrow night in front of just an unbelievable crowd, incredible environment, that our players understand the opportunity in front of them and take full advantage of it. That's the mindset you have to have as the team in a closeout game. But again, it is, like he said in the beginning, human nature to feel a little bit more comfortable when you have that much leeway, when you have that much rope. The Miami Heat did it when they were up 3-0 against the Celtics. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the Nuggets loss was it game four against the Timberwolves when they had a chance at a sweep? Mm -hmm. Um, Or did they lose game three? I can't remember which one it was. But again, the Heat are going to have to be the more desperate team. They're going to have to be the more aggressive team from the onset. It's going to have to start with number 22. But when you hear a guy like Michael Malone talking that talk and you've seen what the Denver Nuggets have executed like all series long outside of some spots in game two, it has to make you a little bit unsettled as a Heat fan, a little bit nervous that if the Nuggets match the same effort as the Heat, the Heat have no chance tonight. Yeah, and I think that's spot on, and I think we are getting the opposite of the Joe Mazzulla treatment we got. Like we knew Spo was better than Joe Mazzulla, yeah. and we were able to use that as kind of offense. Like it was almost a weapon for us that we knew we had them out coached, and we knew that he was a little unhinged when it came to pre and post game. Mike Malone, just the complete opposite. Like this guy's pushing all the right buttons. Man. He's giving his teams all He's the good. right messages. He's just really good at his job, and you can kind of see that the players take to it and the way they play. When you talk about energy and effort, like. I, I think very seldom have we seen this Nuggets team drop their level. And when you're talking about we need to play with more desperation than them, I mean, there's no other point you need to preach to your team in a game like tonight. So Mike Malone's a little scary because I feel like he never misses. I love him going after the media, and I love when he's very blunt, honest, and straightforward with his guys. And then, like I said, they take to it. So that's a little scary. It's scary indeed. Another coach that guys take to as we continue the listening lunch here on Ken Levick Alive. A big Teddy takeover, Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29 with, with Stone Labanowitz, Ken Lavica actually out on a boat cruising the high seas, uh, having enjoying some good vacation, some well-deserved vacation time. So we're continuing the listening lunch here, and let's take it over to the sidelines, away from the court, to the Miami Dolphins. 
Um, we just heard Cameron Wolf from NFL Network say that the Dolphins are now a destination team. Not just a destination city, a destination team. And a lot of that starts and stops with the man with the headset, the main headset, and Mike McDaniel. Here he is this week on a podcast um, admitting to some allegations or at least being coy about it um, about last year when people thought they might have saw him vaping on the sidelines. Here's Mike McDaniel. Were you vaping on the sideline in Buffalo? What? You were vaping on the sideline. Yeah, there was a clip of you. You went, like water vape? You went water, with your hand to vaping? your mouth, and it looked like you were vaping. Were you vaping? Hmm. I mean, what a confusing question. I, I don't know this technology you guys speak of. <laughs> um, having said that, um, I will leave you with this. Uh, in past lives, I have vaped. Okay. <laughs> Regardless, just the idea of that being something that people are talking about after a playoff game is annoying enough to provoke me to never do it again. And I've since quit <laughs> classic McDaniel style. Classic McDaniel style, cold turkey, just like alcohol. <laughs> but I, you know, um, as far as a game, I, you know, it's I'm crazy. sorry. I wish I was better schooled on the subject. I just uh, I don't totally know what you guys are talking about. Yeah, it's crazy. People would even assume that. That's Michael McDaniel, Dolphins head coach on the part in my take podcast stone do you even care if you're if you're an nfl fan i mean it, i assume because we're in 2023 and i've i've i live on twitter so i see everybody having a take and getting angry about anything does anybody have any right to even care if mike mcdaniel's vaping on the sideline <laughs> the answer to that is hell no I, I i i'm almost in shock at how now that's my 47th time hearing that video yeah i'm almost in shock at how well he handles it like, it, it, it was almost so good that you don't remember it the next day. Like, you might bring it up in conversation with your pal. Yeah. But he did such a good job. I mean, think about how some coaches would have mysteriously tried to duck and dodge and stuff. I mean, it's stressful on the sidelines. It's just like <laughs> ripping a square. Like, yeah. you, need to, you need to take a few, uh, for a few rips to bring it on down. And I, I know a lot of people that do. And I think everybody knows a lot of people that do. So I, I think he hit that one head on. I appreciate him for it. But it is hilarious. The guy, is his comedic timing is, like, unmatched. Yeah, he's great. He's great, and that that is uh, it's great to see, especially as a media member, to have somebody that gives you such great quotables at all times. Now, as we continue the listening lunch, I actually want to get the finale on the other side of the break because the finale, I think, is so egregious and so horrendous and should be dissected and, and, and um, at least taken on its own, right? Like, this is not something that we should convolute with everything else because I think that something that was said was blasphemous. And it came from the guy who got famous for saying things are blasphemous. So Stephen A. Smith, his take, we're going to get to on the other side. And um, Stone, you're going to tell us a little bit about our partners at Baptist Health Orthopedic Care. As I do, Theodore. Are you expensing foot and ankle pain and need to see an expert in the field? Baptist Health Orthopedic Care is a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealth.net slash OrthoCare. To learn more today, Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians and leading-edge treatments and technology to provide advanced orthopedic, foot and ankle, joint replacement, spine, and sports medicine care. Visit BaptistHealth.net slash OrthoCare for more information today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting BaptistHealth.net slash Ortho. Stephen A. Smith said what about Jimmy Butler? He called him what? Crazy. We'll talk about that. 
on Ken Levick Alive. That's Stone Labanowitz. I'm Theo Dorsey. This is ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Game 5, Miami Heat, Denver Nuggets at Ball Arena tonight. Tip-off, 8.30. You can listen live here on ESPN 106.3. Pre-game starts at 8. And, of course, heating up with myself and Stone Labanowitz. That starts at 7 on the airwaves here. We don't know if there's going to be a Game 6. The Heat have to figure that out tonight. The Heat have to find an answer to that Denver Nuggets attack and maybe provide Heat fans with one more home game before the NBA season is all said and done. And if you are going to be making your way to Kaseya Center for Game 6, there's only one way to do it, the same way I did it for Game 4 of Heat Nuggets in these NBA Finals, and that's the big yellow train. That's Bright Line. The buzzer beater trains are the best way to enjoy heat games and heat basketball at Kaseya Center. In fact, myself and Tina home team, before game four, we were discussing, okay, what are we going to do here? I know we got some equipment. We want to be able to make sure that we're able to get into the heat game before tip-off. We want to make sure that we're able to get home in a timely fashion. We didn't want to sit in traffic. We didn't want to waste money on gas. We didn't want to have to figure out parking. And the best thing about the Bright Line is we knew it would drop us off in walking distance to Kaseya Center. So for me and Tina Home Team, it was a no-brainer. We hopped on the Bright Line. We didn't we went with the Smart Fair. You don't always have to go premium. We went Smart Fair. We got to the Bright Line station. Boom. Zipping past all the traffic on the way there. It was a Friday. Game four was a Friday. If game six happens, it's going to be on a Thursday. That means traffic is for sure up and down I-95, and we skipped all of that and didn't have to worry about parking. Got dropped off, walked our butts into the Kaseya Center, and watched the Heat get dropped off themselves. Brightline is the way to go. Get the Brightline app or visit gobrightline.com to get locked in. The only way to travel to Heat games, Marlins games, the only way to get from West Palm Beach Aventura, Boca Raton, all of the stops, and of course the Miami Central Station, GoBrightLine.com. Stone, Stephen A. Smith says a lot of things, and they go in one ear and out the other, but what he said on first take today has me bugged. Here he is, Stephen A. Smith. I know that Jimmy Butler can ball. I know that he's a star, but there's levels to this, okay? And when we think, we, we a lot of times we've talked about Jimmy Butler, and we've talked about him in such glowing terms that you almost felt like you're talking about him in the same breath as the LeBron James, as the Kevin Durant's of the world. It, it, hell, like even the Devin Booker's of the world. People, no, he's not those guys. He's not those guys. J.J. Reddick came on the air last week and pointed out how Jimmy Butler's success offensively in large part is predicated on his ability to get to the free, free throw, throw line. Well, you know what you need to do to get to the free throw line? Officials who will allow you to get to the free throw line. Stephen A. Smith. Jimmy Butler is a superstar. Jimmy Butler is in the is yeah exactly. He's in the NBA Finals for the second time in four years. He is better than Devin Booker, and he is a closer and a guy that can win games. He's obviously hobbled in these NBA Finals. He's shown us multiple times in these very playoffs that he is that kind of guy, and he's shown us in the past four playoffs he's that kind of guy. Just because he's coming up short right now, I don't think. I think it's blasphemous for Stephen A. Smith to say he's just a star and he's below the likes of Devin Booker. 
Yeah, I think the question is, okay, if Jimmy Butler's not a superstar, then what is a superstar? Like, that's where the conversation has to go. And also, did you catch J. Will at the beginning? As soon as Stephen A. mentioned Jimmy's name, go, ugh. Yeah. He just knew what he signed up for. He knew what was coming. Brutal stuff, but nonetheless, Stephen A. You're horrible! You're horrible, Stephen A. Smith. Okay, Stone, game four, or game five tonight, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say... The Miami Heat against all odds. Oh, against all odds. When everybody counted them out, they're going to find a way to win it just to prolong this series one more game. What do you have? I got uh, no comment here. I plead the fifth. Ah, of course he does. That's Stone Labanowitz. I'm Theo Dorsey. Heating up later on today. Peace out.